What you just heard was audio of the second raid by the FBI that took place on the James Westbury family. They are January 6th defendants. They are facing false accusations and charges. And today, we are going to share with you their own words regarding that day. Within the body of Christ, there are many who want to avoid and stay away from this topic of January 6th. They view it solely as a political thing. And what I simply want to say and encourage many in this is that when a brother and sister in Christ are falsely accused in any arena of life, we as the church can unashamedly stand with them and stand by them. And so I encourage you to pray for our nation. Pray for our governing officials. Pray as well for those who are being politically persecuted. And with that, I hope this interview will be enlightening and give you a better understanding of some of these events that are taking place in our nation. We're here with the James Westbury family. This particular episode that we want to bring is delving into an area in which many don't want to talk about. It's also an area that's been deep in my heart as, as I've watched our nation uh, decline in many ways. That's to do with January 6th. There are many who are getting their doors kicked in, guns in their faces by the FBI getting rounded up. Many are being held, imprisoned by by the government, the, the full weight and power, worldly power, may that be, is coming down upon many who were there on January 6th. They're being presented as domestic terrorists. If you go to the FBI webpage, you'll, you'll actually see a, a nice little header of terrorist news. And even after Hamas, on October 7th, the attack they did on Israel, you still see this common thread of terrorist news on the FBI page. And the majority is all January 6th cases. The media has gone nonstop since this time has taken place, and they present these men and women as people that need to be reprogrammed. They, they need to be in solitary confinement. They're a danger and hazard. Domestic extremism 
is actually the term that is, is broadly used. We're also seeing this come against pro-life activists, those that the government deems a danger to their authority. And what I want to do with this time is, is bring this family before you. They're, they're fairly well known, I would say, throughout the country regarding the January 6th cases. They are the biggest family that have been arrested. There, there's four in total. And so I introduce them to you, James Westbury family. Rosemary and Bob are here with me today. Welcome. Share what's on your heart. I know you guys from our fellowship of church. I know many at our church do not know what you guys are going through. And in many ways, that saddens me because the body of Christ is to bear one another's burdens. And there are many who are out seeking the things of the Lord, being about his work, who are suffering in many ways. And so part of our podcast, The Remnant, is, is to really bring forth the suffering of the saints in numerous different ways throughout the world and to really just fan the flame of the Spirit at work. We have a hope. And so I know there are many who will hear this for the first time. So I'll let you guys run with this and, and share what's on your hearts and, and what you would like to say. Well, first of all, Travis, thank you for having us on. I, I think this is an important topic for people to hear and understand. This is not just about our family. This is about the faith of the not only the nation, but truly the world. I say this often, we're the forerunners. What's happening to us is coming to a theater near you. And we're seeing it in so many different aspects of life. We're seeing it, as you mentioned, with the pro-life movement, people who are standing up for the most innocent in our society. They're being ostracized. They're being imprisoned for trying to save lives. We're seeing it with, with people, the most recent one, and I shared this with you, Travis, the most recent one that I've, that I've seen, the depths of depravity that our government is going. I would look this interview up with Tucker Carlson. It's recent. And he interviews a gentleman whose name is Douglas Mackey. Douglas Mackey is a young man that was prosecuted and convicted for simply bringing satire to the internet. It was satire. He was convicted of an election interference, which is nonsense. Well, that's the depths that we've come. Now, let's look at what happened to our family. We went to Washington, D.C. Now, before that, after the election, I believe that most of us understand that 2020 was a debacle. It was a debacle. And whatever your thoughts are on that, do a little research into it and really see what was going on. But that's really, in my estimation, not why we went there. We went there to bring the Lord to probably one of the most vile places that you'd ever want to go to. It's filled with idolatry. Now, this is our nation's capital, a place that should be exalting the Lord Jesus Christ, a place that should be above reproach, but it's not. It's the most idolatrous place that you'd ever want to see. And so when we went, even before we went, I, I had to go. It was, it was as if the Lord was saying, 
in my spirit, you have to go. And I said to many people, I have to go. I don't know why, but I have to be there. Part of it may have been for President Trump, I suppose. But the bigger part was to represent the living God, to go there and exalt who he is. Because he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So my family and I got together Christmas. There were five of us, my husband, Robert, Bob, and my son, my one of my older sons, Aaron James, my son, Jonah Westbury, and Isaac Westbury. And we sat down at Christmas time, and I said, we have to make a decision. If we're going to go, we have to purchase tickets. We have to, you know, be able to, to get there. So we as a family made a decision to go. To be honest, Isaac, my little one, didn't want to go. He was very upset because we had just gone through this horrific time in 2020 where he was graduating high school and didn't have a graduation. Everything that young people should go through was taken away from him, and he was very depressed. He didn't want to go, very angry, and he had every right to be angry. But he agreed to go nonetheless. And, and I said to him, well, you know, this will be like a graduation gift for you. So you will be able to see things at the Capitol. We've never gone there. We've never been to Washington, D.C. So there, there are things that you want to see. We wanted to go to the Lincoln Memorial. We wanted to go to, to see, you know, the, the names from the Vietnam, uh, the names on the wall. So there were many things that we wanted to see there. So he agreed. He agreed to go with us. But when we got there, we got there the fifth. This is how I know that it was God. We don't have a lot of money. (laughs) We're not rich people. But so mind you, we went from the fifth, came back on the eighth. For five of us to go, round trip tickets, we rented a van. We had a beautiful suite and with breakfast, you know, in the morning, within walking distance of where we had to go for $1,400 for five of us. And I think about that now and I think, well, that's insane. Of course, I had the $1,400 and we were able to go. But now, Bob, I want you to kind of interject just your thoughts. My thoughts, I guess... When talking about this, when Rose talks about this, I get overwhelmed, and I I can't believe that it's happening, but it is happening. What Rose said about, we, we saw the Washington Monument, we saw the Lincoln Memorial, we saw the, uh, I forget the name of them, but the, the things, they were 30, 40 foot tall, etched into marble. It's fast, it's amazing. I guess just so you know, I've had strokes, so my talking is more difficult than it was at one time, but it's slowed me down where I say, say nice things now instead of bad things. And so Bob, from your, from your position in the family, when the discussion began about going to Washington DC for January 6th, Bob, explain a bit your, your, your thoughts, intents and ideas regarding that trip. 
I was excited to go. We'd never been to Washington before. I thought as a father and as a friend of the kids too, it would be something that we'd never done before. And it would be good for them, good for me, good for Rose, all of us. I guess with, with the January 6th stuff that's happened, it kind of has, has put a block in my mind where I, when I think about that, I, I have a difficult time thinking about the good things because it seems all bad what's happened with the FBI, with them breaking into our house twice, having automatic weapons. I mean, I don't understand that. I, I, if you told, if you asked me two years ago, three years ago, or whatever, that could this happen in America? I'd say absolutely not, because this is America. And now, not only are we confronted with it, we're facing charges for it, and it's taking a toll. All of the, all of the, all of our children are, are being affected and, and they're responding to it all, each one differently, but in a way that's very, it's very much them. And they're, they're trying to deflect what's going on, but in, it's actually making them not be able to live, I guess. What is it that you're facing charge wise? For, for, I, guess, I guess furthermore, you don't need to go through every single charge, but, but overall context, what's the prison sentence you guys are looking at, potentially? As, as much as 10 or 20 years, I guess. And, and that'd be more for Aaron and Isaac, who are facing, I forget what the charge, not misdemeanors, but felonies, I guess. And Jonah and I are facing misdemeanors, but... And Isaac is my baby. He's 21 now, but he was only 19. 18. 18 when he left. We went to Washington, D.C. And he he's actually does well considering what he's going through, I guess. For, for those listening that may have been there on January 6th and are facing similar things, you guys are not forgotten. You're not alone. First and foremost, Jesus Christ is on his throne, and we have great assurance in all these things. Furthermore, there, there are many, many, many praying on, on your guys' behalf. Well, politicians on both sides of the aisle, I believe on the first year of anniversary of January 6th, came out saying this was worse than Pearl Harbor or, or September 11th. There's, there's been such a full force of painting a particular picture of what happened that day that many don't know. And, well, let's just not talk about it because... Well, we don't want to find ourselves in trouble. So you guys went to Washington, D.C. Did you have plans or any intent to overthrow the government, to attack the Capitol? I'm laughing because that's how ridiculous these charges are. And yet the government, they, they think that they're doing a dutiful thing to us people and, and other people, too. We're not the only ones. There's probably a thousand who have been arrested so far, and everybody's being charged, and everybody, it's not good. It's well, there is a 99. The last, the last I heard, there was a 99.4 percent conviction rate. Which, if you look in the natural, that's insane. It's it's absolute insanity. That can't possibly be. 
that there would be a 99.4% conviction rate in anything, for anything. So this is what we're facing. We're facing not only the assurance that the conviction rate is, is so high, but now they are meeting out sentences that are so over the top. 18 years, 20 years, 13 years, insane. Most recently, there was a gentleman, Isaac Yoder, who went to the Capitol. He and his family went to Washington, D.C. He walked to the Capitol dressed as George Washington. And he he does this quite often. It's very authentic. He did a lot of research into the garb of that day and especially specifically George Washington. So he made this himself including, you know, the, the hat. And that was stolen from him. They stole his jacket and his, the government and his hat. They didn't ever give it back to him. Well, and I, I believe in the, in, in the reference that, I forget if it was a legal case or I was reading, um, but they considered it war garb. Yeah, there, so. there was, there was a, uh, an article that was written that said that he walked into the Capitol dressed in revolutionary war garb or something like that. And how long? What, what's his prison time? It's shorter, right? He's about a... Well, he is was... He, is he a year or is he... One year. Exactly so it is one, one year. year. Yeah. Okay. So, so he was charged with their all misdemeanors and picketing and parading and walking into a restricted building, which we didn't know it was restricted. Nobody did. There were no, no signs, signs. Nothing. And... No people saying it. No people saying you can't go in. It was just, it, it was insane. We were invited in yeah. by the police officers and by the, the authorities. Now let's get into this a bit so we can start to paint this picture. Because I know right now you you have this narrative in the media that gets pushed out. Right. You're, you're extremists, you're domestic extremists. It's the greatest threat our nation has ever faced. Now add you, many of these men and women have, have combat time. They've served our nation. And now they're being labeled the terrorists, but we can go off on rabbit trails all day long in this. Yeah. But, but what I want to as well bring forward is begin to share the things you saw that day. So you decided to go to Washington, D.C. To, to see the monuments. I imagine to hear the president's speech. Yes. It's historic, whether you like him or not. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you guys went there. What did you see on that day? I saw a crowd of people larger than any crowd of people that I've ever seen. I saw two or three million people. I could look as far north as I could. I could turn around and look as far south. There's people all the way out to, and I'm, I don't wear glasses, and I can see. And it, it was an overwhelming amount of people. There were people from every walk of life that was that were there. Now, I'm sure, which I did see, but there were agitators that were there, people that didn't belong, and you could see that. What, but, what do you mean by that? Well, there were people that looked like they were there to stir up the crowd. I don't know how else to say it. I'll give you an example. We were waiting for the president to speak. Now, we're amongst this sea of people, and there was a gentleman behind me. I won't say his name, but he he has a, a YouTube channel, and he's a Christian. So I was talking to him, and off to my right, so I was looking behind me. My family was looking towards where the president was going to be speaking this big screen, this big white screen. And so I was turned around and off to my right, 
I saw a group of people. Now, this was before the president even spoke. And, and it was like they were agitated. They were jumping up and down and they looked scruffy. I mean, they didn't look like they were the people that were around us. They were almost gearing up for something, you know, kind of, I don't know how else to say it, kind of jumping and, you know, agitated. And I looked at them and something inside of me said, that's not right. I don't know how else to say it, but there was something not right about them. And so I turned around and I said something to my son. I said, we're surrounded. And he looked at me. He said, well, yeah, mom, there's a lot of people. I said, oh, no, that is not what I mean. But there was definitely a spiritual nuisance that was there. That's all I can say. It was it was a nuisance that was there. So I turned back around and, and I grabbed the hands of this gentleman that was behind me. And I said, let's pray. And so we prayed. We prayed against any agitators that would be there, anyone that would bring uh, negativity or, you know, whatever it was. I don't remember exactly what we prayed. But then I, I looked up and those people were gone. They did not stay there to listen to President Trump. They were gone. Now, I'm assuming, now I don't know, I, I haven't done any research into this, but I'm assuming that they went to the Capitol at that time. And that was before the president even spoke. It was before he even spoke. So they, that group, and there were probably about 20 of them that were there that they just had left. And it's an interesting thing because it, it was like they were dispersed, you know, throughout there, but they did not stay to listen to the president. So overall, the group from what you guys saw that day, at least at the time with Trump's speech and, and maybe even further after the Capitol, but what you, what you guys were seeing that day overall among the group of, of those you were praying with, those you were, you were witnessing to and encouraging, what was the overall attitude? Excitement. Yeah. And joy. It was, I, I've never seen so many praying people, worshiping people in my life, I think. And these are people from, like I said, all walks of life, all over the country, all over the world. China. China. I mean, so many Chinese people, which that doesn't get into the news at all. But there were so many Chinese people there. And, and it was, it was as if they were fighting for their lives. They had come and I, I talked to, to some of them, some people, and they had come from a communist China here to freedom. And they knew that they had to fight for their freedom. So they had petitions that they wanted us to sign against the CCP and against, you know, communism. And, and so we signed their petitions, but they were like a well-oiled machine. They had buses with, you know, signs against the CCP, anti-CCP messages. And they were so well organized in this one area. Now, this is before we got to, to the, to where the president was speaking. We were walking there and they would have one bus that would stay and you could only stay there for a certain period of time. Well, then they went and another bus came with the same message. It was just so like a well-oiled machine. And, you know, if I would have to say anything, we as the body of Christ need to learn a lesson from them. We need to be more focused and more, well, like a well-oiled machine, I would say. 
So you guys, you stay the night before, you wake up in the morning, you're you're waiting for Trump's speech, you're really enjoying your time. You're, yes. you're getting, you're, you're meeting a lot of new people. I hear from you, Rose, many times, it's just the power of prayer, the, the, those praying for one another, encouraging one another. Share what happened following that time. Well, we, the president, when the president, he was late. And so when, when he was finishing, he asked us to go to the Capitol and, you know, to have a redress of our grievances. We had no intention, really, of going to the Capitol. But we thought, okay, we'll go because that's, you know, what our president is asking us to do. And we did have a, we did want to have a redress of our grievances. And that's what that's there for. According to the Constitution, that's what it's there for. So that was our intent. I hear so much of intent. And I think that's an important piece to this whole thing. The intent of the heart. The only one that can discern that is God himself within a person. But now I'm going to kind of skip just a little bit. And I'm going to say this, what's happening in the court system is the DOJ, they are projecting their intentions or what they think the, the person's intentions are to that person. And there's nothing that these defendants or us can do to dissuade them. Well, they cannot tell me what my intentions were. They can't tell Bob what his intentions are, but that's what they're doing. They are projecting those intentions, which is wrong. It's totally wrong. Well, very much as well with the attitude that you're guilty. Yes. Now you got to prove you're innocent. So Trump tells everybody to go on over to the Capitol. You guys had no intention of going to the Capitol, but you decided to head over there. What did you see when you arrived at the Capitol? Well, there was a lot of, there was a lot, again, there's a, a many, many, many people. It was like a, a sea of people was moving, and I saw friendly people. Then there was their bad people, I would call them, and they were there's people shooting. I know stuff I got my eyes tear gas or something. The, the police. The police. The police are doing that. There are groups who are wearing masks, you know, covering their face, and they were. There was a lot of. It's like it's almost as if they had done this intentionally to me and my family. Don't you think so? Yes. I, I, I cannot even <clears throat> believe that this wasn't intentional, that it wasn't something that they, the powers that be, if you will, wanted to happen. And it now, can I prove that? I cannot personally prove that. I believe it will be proven because what God tells us is that everything that's hidden is going to be brought to the light. Everything. Because there were, as I said, there were people from every walk of life, older people, young people, people with strollers, people with Very wheelchairs. Good. I mean, just if we were to overthrow the government, I think we would have had troops, but we had old people. We're old. <laughs> and it, I mean, it's, 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 if it weren't so dire, it would be like a comedy. This would be comical because it's so nonsensical, absolutely nonsensical. I believe 
And I've said this many times now. I told you somebody smarter than me is going to get this out there and it'll actually be something people will listen to. There was and is a great victory that occurred on January 6th in the spiritual realm. In the spiritual realm, God gained a great victory. And I believe that he, who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, was lifted up that day. And all of the idolatry, the false gods, whatever you want to call them, because I believe in spiritual warfare. I believe that there is a spiritual realm. They were cast down, Travis. They were cast down and put in their place because when Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, went to the cross, and what did he say? It is finished. So now we have to understand that God is eternal, frontwards and backwards. There's no time constraint. We live in a moment in time for this particular day, and I believe that God has us here for, for a particular purpose. Now, we all know that our purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Everything we do is to glorify God. But there was a repentance. There was a cry for repentance that occurred that day. And the cry for repentance is for this nation to give up the idolatrous ways, to give up the murdering of little children. I've said this time and time again. Every human that's created, when that sperm and that ovum come together, to create that zygote, it's unique in all the world. No one throughout all of time was created like that little person. And they're snuffing out those lives as if they're a piece of garbage, flushing it down the toilet, using it for pharmaceuticals. I mean, these little children are being sacrificed. Our children are being indoctrinated. They're being mutilated. For, for, for what purpose? Well, we as the body of Christ, as the remnant, we can't be on the defense. We have to be on the offense. We have to continue to press in, press in, because God expects that of his people. I believe that our, our roadmap is the Acts of the Apostles. Now, you know, we recently went through a series on the Acts of the Apostles, and it was quite timely. When our pastor began that, I thought, and I went up to him and I said, this is from God. We need a roadmap because we don't know how to do this. We've been too comfortable. We as the body of Christ have been too comfortable. There's something insidious that's happened in this world. It's it's nefarious. And we all feel it. We know it. But we're comfortable. Well, you know, we live our lives. We're doing okay. It'll be okay. Well, no, it's not okay. We have to speak against it. We have to lift up the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because he's the one that's going to come into this world. And he is here. Kingdom of God is right here with us. But that's more than anything. What I saw on that day was God was lifted up. I have to tell you, I, for me, I was with a, a friend who will remain unnamed and we were standing in this particular place. And there was a woman that was there about my, I mean, she was probably in her sixties 
And she looked so distraught. And I looked at her and we locked eyes and she just, she started to weep. She said, I had to come. Not for me. She said, I'm old, but I have to stand for my children and my grandchildren. And I said, I know. So I grabbed her hands and we started to pray. And pretty soon people started to come and pray around us. And then people started to come around them. And then people came around them. By the time we were done, it was like this big wheel of prayer that was going on. And people were looking on from over here and here. But the prayer that went up was magnificent and it was glorious. And when I looked up and looked at her, she had this most glorious glow in her face. And she said, I needed that. (laughs) And I said, we all need that. We all need that. But when we went to the Capitol, there were no barriers. There were no uh, signs or signs. Nothing. Straight with the church, I want to delve into really when I see your family, and I've gotten to know you guys, you guys are being falsely accused of many evil things. Yes. And in some ways, when you try to, to defend yourself, you just end up in this perpetual circle of, it's almost like you come to somebody and say, oh, well, Bob, tell me tell me why you're a murderer. Why, why you're a murderer, Bob? Well, it's a false pretense. Well, I'm not. But I want to redirect now for just a little bit and get into suffering for righteousness. Now, I know there's there's many who may be listening and think, oh, January 6th, righteousness, those two don't go together because of the stigma that's been so heavily pushed by the political establishment and and our government. But when I hear your guys' testimony of that day, a day of prayer, a day of encouragement, a day of of joy, there was no, within the circles of your family and your friends and those you were meeting there, you mentioned some other agitators on the side, but other than that, there was, it was was peaceful. And and the heart of it was, was not for evil. But the government has declared you guys as domestic extremists. You are facing long prison terms. And you're stuck in this position of having to defend against a false pretense. I believe the reason I'm so interested in this particular day because of what I see taking place in my country. There's Understand this, everybody who's listening. My generation, you sent us off to war. You sent us off to war under the pretense of terrorism. I remember September 11th taking place. I remember them passing the Patriot Act. Myself, my friends have been sent off to combat. We saw terrorism firsthand. Many guys struggle now because it was all for nothing. And like your son, Aaron, he's done three combat tours. Yes. And now... I listen to my government say, he's a terrorist. He's the terrorist. We see what takes with Hamas on Israel, and yet the FBI page is all on January 6th. Not all, but much of the terrorism news is you guys. Understand this, church. Learn what you can from those who are facing political persecution 
to begin to embrace these things into your walk with Christ, begin to prepare your heart, not, not that we live in anguish and fear, but rather that we use our time wisely in prayer. Devote your time and prayer and fellowship. Call upon the Lord to, to search your heart. Is there evil in me, Lord, in which I need to repent of? Repentance. The church has to come back to repentance. Scripture memorizing. Fill your heart with the very word of God. We don't know what the future is going to bring, but it looks it looks bleak for those who profess Jesus Christ. Yes. Or you're going to have to compromise your faith and deny Christ. I see numerous denominations in the United States and worldwide that have completely forsaken Christ. They have replaced him with the proper philosophy. When you have a government that begins speaking about reprogramming of people, this is very scary things. This is very scary stuff. And so I'd encourage you guys and your family, don't lose hope because your hope is not in man. It's in Christ. And he does hold all these things in his hand. If, if he intends you to spend time in the prison cells to be a witness, praise God. If you will be outside of prison cells, well, we'll praise God as well and bring forth his, his very word. Because what's facing this nation is some, it's a spiritual darkness has gotten rooted within the governance. What's on your hearts to share having, being, being falsely accused? You're, you're suffering for righteousness. You went to represent Christ. You went to be a witness. You went to pray. Rosemary, you simply said, I, I went because we, we, I just knew we had to go. What do you want to share with the brothers and sisters throughout the world? I guess I'm learning about suffering. And I've had thoughts in my mind about January 6th and what we're facing. And I've got to change my thinking and my outlook on things. And like you said, that may be where I have to suffer, maybe in jail. For the wrong reasons. I mean, there's no, there's, there's nothing that I did or any of my family members did that, that would be an issue for charging us with anything, let alone putting us in jail. And I guess it, it's kind of overwhelming, but it, it seems like it's, it's bigger than me what's happening. And, and God is in control. So, God knows what's going on. I don't know what's going on all the time, but God knows. I, I, I couldn't even imagine that this is real, and yet it is real, and we're living through it, walking through it. What do you think, Rose? I think that the suffering is part of the Christian experience. It, it just... It just is. God never promised us that we would get out of this life unscathed. In fact, he's our, he's the true forerunner. I've said, you know, we as the J6ers are the forerunners. However, Christ is the true forerunner going before us. And he came on our behalf. He suffered for us. 
He appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. He's the sacrifice. He's the one true sacrifice. Christ came into the world and he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. And then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. He offered that sacrifice for all of us. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool under his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. If you look in, in the book of Acts, throughout the book of Acts, there was suffering, a great deal of suffering, but they were filled with such joy. Because we know that we have a, this is, this is a moment in time. And we're here as sojourners. This isn't our home. But what are we supposed to do here? We're not supposed to sit back and be comfortable, you know, and it's, there's nothing wrong with having a nice house and going on vacations. There's nothing wrong with that. But what is your purpose? Your purpose is to glorify God, to push back on those things that are anti-Christ, anti-God. We look at society and we think, well, how could this happen? Well, it happened because we were asleep at the wheel. And I love the body of Christ. I do. I love the church. And when Christ comes back, he's coming back for a bride that's without spot, stain, or wrinkle. We're not there by any means, but there is a remnant and it's quite appropriate that God gave you this name for this podcast because it's for the remnant. We listened this morning in 1 Samuel. And what was what struck me is Jonathan when he said that the Lord, it's the Lord that will have the victory. Whether it's by many or whether it's by few. Jonathan said to the young man, who carried his armor, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. Nothing can hinder the Lord. And I have to say this, the Lord has won a great victory. The Lord is victorious. What does what does Isaiah 9 say? The government is on his shoulders. I pray that the church, the body of Christ will take hold of those promises that God gave us and really and truly understand this, the gravity, the seriousness of what he's given us a mandate to do. We have to stand in the kingdom of God. We have to stand with his people, with our brothers and sisters on this battlefield. This is a battlefield, and this is nothing like we've ever come up against before. I'm 63, Bob, you're 64. We've never experienced anything in, in our whole lives like this. But we've been slowly being fed the false 
premise of this world. Comfort. Oh, we'll give you comfort. It's all about comfort and you're okay. Well, no, we're not okay. We have to strive for excellence, holiness. God tells us in his word, be holy because I am holy. Exactly. We should all fall on our faces at hearing that. Be holy because I am holy. We don't have that within us, but we do because we have the spirit of the living God within us. Everyone that has the seal of Christ upon their foreheads has the spirit of the living God dwelling within them. We have that same power and authority given by the Lord Jesus Christ, not in and of ourselves. We can do nothing. What are some ways brothers and sisters in Christ can be praying for you guys? I know your next court date's February. That's the big one. 12th. February 12th is the big one. We have to go to Washington. Okay. And I pray that my family would be completely exonerated, that it would be, you know, that all the charges would be dropped because yeah. they're nonsense. They're truly nonsense. I would like to invite everybody who's listening to this very thing for prayer. One of the areas that the Lord's been growing me in and numerous others is is the fellowship of prayer. And we're seeing God move in powerful ways in, in many people's lives in regards to the petitions and stuff that are being brought forward. And God rejoices in this. We rejoice in this. Uh, so the trial, February 12th, let's, let's begin praying for that very thing, for God's favor uh, regarding these charges you're facing. In closing, what else? Prayer request wise or, or even just closing comments. So I, I would I would say that this is a time to be on the offense, not to not to shrink back. And this is a time where we have to be focused in our prayer. And ask God, I can't tell people what to pray and how to pray. That comes only from the Holy Spirit. He tells us we don't know it what to pray as we, how to pray as we ought, but that comes from the Holy Spirit. And let there be many gatherings of, of the remnant that there, Travis, we come here every Monday night to pray. And I would, whether it's at your house or my house or any other house, I pray that there would be an explosion just bursting at the seams, people sitting throughout your house. That's what I pray that there would be worship that would go forth. That's what I would pray. And pray for those that are in prison. We are called to pray for those that are in prison. And, and so that's what we do. There are those that have been languishing in prison in the gulag for almost three years without having their day in court. But they're there because of this unpatriotic Patriot Act. And they can keep people. The Patriot Act authorizes the government to issue a warrant based on reasonable cause rather than the constitutionally mandated probable cause. So they can say anything that they want, which is what they're doing. And then how can they detain these? The U.S. Patriot Act relies heavily on mandatory detention, depriving individuals of their liberty and significantly impacting their ability to secure and maintain working relationships with counsel. That's what's happening. And it's it's torture. They're torturing people. These political prisoners are being tortured. 
And there needs to be a worldwide outcry. Because here in the once greatest nation on earth, we have political prisoners that are, that are being tortured. What does the FBI stand for? Fidelity, bravery, and integrity. And I would admonish any FBI agent that listens to this to go back to the beginning. Fidelity, bravery, integrity. And any that belong to Christ, this is my admonishment to you. You're going to have to make a decision one of these fine days. And I'm going to call out Neil, who was came to our house the first time. Came to our house twice, you know. He professes to be a Christian. One of these fine days, you're going to have to make a decision. Are you going to be on the side of tyranny and corruption? Or are you going to stand for what's right, what's good, what's holy and what's true? You stand up to that fidelity, bravery, and integrity. Because it's not that today. I guess what I hope and pray is that I will be glorifying to God, I guess, that I'll do the right thing. It, it's over, it overwhelms me when I think about it, what we've got to do, but you know what I mean? Well, and Bob has had, Bob has had eight strokes, and, you know, there, he's, you know, functions just fine, but the kind of strokes he had, just to kind of give you a little background, they're lacunar strokes, so they go deep into the brain. So it really, truly affects different aspects. You know, he doesn't really have any physical deficits, but it's more of a critical thinking aspect. And sometimes the words don't come out. He has them there, but they don't come out. They'll get out eventually, but sometimes yeah. he just doesn't have them there. Well, I appreciate you guys sharing. Watch for the next episode. We'll, we'll be having Aaron come on. He'll, he'll speak more details in regards to and some of those events that took place. I also encourage everybody to go down in the menu. You'll see a letter from Ryan Samsell. He's another January 6th defendant. His letter was released, I believe, in July. I did a reading of that letter. He, he has been heavily tortured by numerous times in solitary confinement. Take a listen to what he writes and what he says. I realize January 6th has been presented and painted as a particular thing. In knowing the Westbury James family, I would simply tell you uh, many of the perceptions out there are 100% are false. These, these are not insurrectionists. These are not men and women of the country that were trying to, to overthrow the government. They're absolutely 100% not terrorists. Uh, God bringing about a great work in the hearts of, of many. I'm hearing a lot of testimony of those who are repenting and coming to Christ through these things that have taken place. And, and certainly this is our hope. When, when we look at the world around us, uh, the work we do on the southern border and, and the absolute train wreck of, of what we see taking place, and I know your family has been dear to me because you, you wrestle the, the, the emotions of these things we, we want to reflect Christ. We, we want to rejoice. And yet you get that bad day where, well, hey, there's no rejoicing going on as I throw my fit in my office um, because of the hurts and oftentimes the burden we put on ourselves to carry. And so receive this. God, God carries our burdens. I believe wholeheartedly as well 
that that the church is going to grow in bearing one of those burdens. They will. God will bring this forth. There is great comfort in the United States. There is incredible apathy. I see it being located back here up north from many who I've been working with on the border and throughout Mexico. There's a noticeable difference. And in that can be, um, it can maybe add fuel to the fire when you're having a bad day. But But understand this, the church is God's beloved. He's going to refine it by fire. And may we be a witness, regardless of what happens to us, when the day is done on, on the day of judgment, we, we stand before a righteous God. And I'm not accountable for anybody else other than myself. How did I respond to my God when he said, go? How did I respond to my God when he said, speak? How did I respond to my God when he said, stay silent? And, and there's no there's no big, broad answer. Travis can't tell you what you need to do. Rosemary and Bob can't tell you what you need to do. But what we can say is our God is, is the utmost. He is our hope. He gives the, the very gift of life. He gives the very gift of repentance. And this is what I pray you guys will bring forth throughout these days and years and that God, God grants. Uh, I hope this has been eye-opening for many, as well as a challenge. May we rise to be witnesses, to be the light, to be the salt during this time and during these days. Join us on the next episode coming out with Aaron. God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you.